this flyover clip. Today on the Flyover Conservative Podcast, we are joined with a not only a friend of ours, but a, a friend of the show. Yep. He's been on before. I think he'll be on again because he has the best commentary on some of the most complex topics in the world today. He's a, he's a writer for the Christian Post. His work has been featured by the Daily Wire and many other outlets. Brandon Showalter. Yay! Welcome! Hey, thanks Brandon. Well, yes. thanks for thanks for coming on. You know, um, you know, we like to you know our, our catchphrase is we like to examine culture and current events through the lens of conservative Christian values. You know, we don't pull any punches on that's kind of the the lens that we have on and, and kind of transparent about that. And and uh, you're somebody who's really deeply entrenched with and has thought through some of the most complex issues in our society today when it comes to uh, free speech, when it comes to media, when it comes to journalism, when it comes to trans issues. And uh, um, you you write about them and talk about them in a way that I think is is a little deeper, a little more complex than what most people have given it thought to. I'd like to start out with asking you right out of the gate, one of your top platforms is Twitter. Um uh, at Brandon show on Twitter. We'll have the links down show uh, Brandon M show mm-hmm. on, on Twitter. We'll put the links down below, but with, with the things that you're talking about, you kind of fall in this wheelhouse of things that you're not allowed to have uh non-approved thoughts or to commit thought crimes on or anything outside of the state approved uh, line of thinking. You know, there's some things you can talk about, some things you can't, you spend a lot of time in the space mm-hmm. that you're not allowed free thought on. And, uh, and then you, your your kind of home base is Twitter, so so what is that like for you right now? Looking at the idea of of Elon Musk bringing free speech back to Twitter or not, kind of exposing the fact that they thought they already had free speech there and they don't. Um, talk to us a little bit about what it's like to write about some of the things you do and and to be putting them out on Twitter. Well, it's pretty crazy because I this has made it into some news outlets. The Washington Examiner covered this, and you mentioned that I was recently featured in the Daily Wire. Well, that was because the Christian Post was frozen out of our Twitter account because we called a male a man. We were referring to Rachel Levine, who's, I think, the second highest person up there. He's an HHS official. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he claims to be a woman, and he's a male. You take a DNA test, he'll give you XY chromosomes. And so we pointed out accurate biological sex, and under Twitter's terms of service, what they call misgendering is forbidden. And so, but we won't lie. We think communicating someone's biological sex is really important in light of the implications that that has for so many areas of culture. And because we called him a man, they deemed that hate speech. And we have since been told that we can no longer tweet unless we take down that tweet. And so I wrote a I wrote a column in the, that was published in the Daily Wire saying, we're making a fuss about language because we are in being indoctrinated to deceive when we are told we must manipulate and twist language. Language shapes thought. And if we yep. are told that we must call a male a female, we're, we're being forced to lie. And as a matter of conscience, we just can't do that. It's more that we're not just trying to be needlessly cruel to people who are suffering with gender dysphoria. That's a real thing for some. But we won't be gaslit into telling the public. I mean, our job as journalists is to communicate truthfully, and we, it's a dereliction of our journalistic duty to communicate with our readers honestly, and we won't lie about biological sex. We just won't do it. So it's really strange to see all this kerfuffle about Twitter potentially being bought by Elon Musk because it's really sort of exposed their hand because there's just some topics you just aren't allowed to talk about it, and you've seen the agenda of many evil forces having mm-hmm. information control over 
discourse about a lot of topics, but especially this one. Uh, and there's many reasons for that. But it's these are, as I like to say, uh, it, it's overused. Orwell, Orwellian is an overused term, but it's perfectly relevant here. Instead of uh, instead of a fiction book, it was actually a cultural prophecy because we're living in it right now. Man, Boy, that is so true. Really, really was. You've had some really great tweets. I, I really love looking at your Twitter um, account. Well, let's talk a little bit about puberty blocking in children because that is a very hot topic and something that you've ad- addressed um, on your Twitter, which I think is very important. Well, <laughs> that was what sent me down this rabbit hole about five years ago when I learned that there were actually drugs that doctors, you know, quote unquote doctors were giving children to block their healthy puberty in pursuit of a physiological impossibility, that of becoming the opposite sex. What these drugs do is they halt the pubertal signaling in the pituitary of the brain and it stunts natural development in children. And so the protocol under which these drugs are being given is this children have gender dysphoria or they say they have dysphoria. It stunts their growth so that they can maybe pause, that's what they say, the pubertal development and then pursue perhaps cross-sex hormones a few years later and then maybe go on to a surgery. Again, none of this actually changes the biological sex of the child. All this is is altering the body, disastrous effects. Everybody has Mm -hmm. to go through puberty. It's not a pleasant thing. But when I learned that what they were doing was giving these drugs, that they're only approved for what a condition is called precocious puberty, where a child goes into that too early. And then you don't want them to go through the hormonal drive, say, if they're you know seven or eight years old, then it's, it's clinically approved for that use. And if those, those blockers can be used. But when you're giving these high powered drugs like pediatric Lupron to a child, you are stunting not only their sexual development, you're, uh, you're impeding calcium from forming in the bones, you're creating bone density problems in children, and you're rupturing their brain development. So you're keeping them in a prepubertal bodily and mental state, again, in pursuit of a lie, in pursuit of a physiological impossibility. I think it's the medical scandal of the century. Yeah. There are a small cadre of journalists who have been screaming their heads off for a few years, and I believe that we now have some serious momentum in light of a couple of developments in culture, but it's one of the most monstrously evil things I have ever seen. And who knows how many children have been given these awful drugs for, again, a lie. Um, yep. But it's, wow. it's starting to break loose. Internationally, they're moving away from this treatment protocol, but the U.S. is sort of the belly of the beast at the moment. But I believe that's going to start tipping soon. You know, I don't oh, know, praise the Lord. I don't know if I ever met anyone who would say, you know, if I could just go back to middle school, like that's where life, life was right. really, that was right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I felt so confident. I was so secure in myself. I was aware of others. Years. You know, that's just where I, I peaked out and, you know, I don't, no. nobody. Um, it's, a, it's an awkward time. You're going through a lot of question marks as your body's changing, as your body's developing. Right. And, and it's not only what you're going on within yourself, it's as I interact with others. Yeah. You know, right. uh, other males, other females, I'm, 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 I'm there's a, you know, our daughter's a school teacher. She has interesting, you know, if you have all girls and you enter some boys into it or just everything, it just, everything changes, everything changes. There's this dynamic of everybody trying to find out who you are in the scheme of the rest of society. And so when you begin altering yourself in this developmental period, it not only impacts you, but your relationship to others in a really yeah. unique way. When you're full of question marks to start with, it's right. like, it's like, it's like taking right. something you can barely read and then scrambling all the letters at the same time. It's, it's an atrocity. And the line that the gender activists will feed you is that they're completely reversible. And the truth is that we don't know. The UK has just, I was not, I remember reporting on this, they, their National Health Service changed the 
guidance wording that was on their NHS website, which once claimed that these blockers were reversible, to now saying that the effect, the long-term effects remain unknown. And the truth of the matter is, is that the majority of children who go on these untested hormonal agents are then, it follows on with cross-sex hormone. And the combination of puberty blockade, chemical puberty blockade, and cross-sex hormone in addition to completely hijacking and compromising your endocrine system, renders that child completely sterile. And since when, you guys, since when do we medicalize a child with an untested treatment protocol for a psychological condition that renders a child infertile? When has that not been a medical scandal? We look back at past medical scandals when our country did that to black women, for example, and to homosexual men, and rightly regard those things as a crime. Well, it's, it's still a crime even if it's wrapped in a rainbow flag. Man, that is exactly Man. right. And that goes right along with the agenda of depopulation. You know, if you know, I they hear can't that all have the children. Time. I it's, hear that all the time. Yeah, it goes it, yeah, right along are, with that. You know, putting, putting two and two together there. Yeah. How, how common is this? I think a lot of our listeners, they would say, well, I mean, is there five cases in LA and eight cases in New York? And that's the extent of it. I mean, most people, this has not grown to a point where they're dealing with it personally, you know, where they've well, run into it. Yeah, that's a good question because I think some people still think this is on the fringe. This is hardly an issue. It's so few. People don't realize how this is spread like wildfire. And I think it's starting to bubble up into common culture. And when families deal with this, it's like a bomb that goes off in their home and they realize how big this is. Just to give you an idea, just a quick summation of how this has grown so exponentially. In 2007, there was one pediatric gender clinic in the United States and there were it was in Boston. Now there are hundreds of clinics clinics dotting the American landscape. In most Planned Parenthood locations, you can get cross-sex hormone based on your own self-diagnosis of gender dysphoria, and they're passing testosterone out to teenage girls like it's candy. And in certain states, they've lowered the age of majority. I think a girl in Oregon can get testosterone at 15, and her parents don't even have to consent. It's that insane. And the other thing I would just point out is that, you know, even if it were just a few people, it's still wrong. So it's a medical scandal. Good point. And I... People have no idea how deep this goes and how it has exploded. I once interviewed, I think it was in 2000, uh, 2018, I interviewed a pediatric endocrinologist from Atlanta who's been pushing back against this madness. And he told me that in 2006, he was at a combined gathering of the American and European endocrine societies, where he heard the doctor who ended up engineering some of the endocrine society's guidelines to revise this stuff to make their guidelines more friendly to transgenderism. He saw him presenting and he gave a talk on this gender nonsense and this really godly endocrinologist was listening to it and thought, I'm going to raise my hand and say, where'd you make up all this junk? Um, But he thought it was just a random crazy person and this was not going to go anywhere. Oh no, he was wrong. There was a plan and they set this thing in motion. And in the meantime, I think the clinic in LA that's probably one of the worst ones last I heard. It's like, they've got hundreds and hundreds of kids that they've been seeing over the years. We have, but we have no real way to know because the figures aren't tracked well. And that, that itself in my mind is a medical scandal all its own. What I can tell you, and this is documented in Abigail Schreier's irreversible damage uh, book, which came out in 2020 was that the number of gender surgeries that were performed on females from 2016 to 2017 quadrupled. And they've only grown since then. Oh, my gosh. Where are your hard-earned dollars going? Are they going to fund the deep state or are they going to fund the kingdom? And you know where you stand with a guy like Mike Liddell and MyPillow.com. And not only is he a great guy and he supports great causes, he makes the best 
products in the it world does, with in his categories. Yeah, 10 year warranties on their products. My favorite product when you go to mypillow.com and you put the promo code flyover right at the top, you get up to 66% off. Right now they're running a special on the slippers. They are my very favorite. I know I've talked about it many times, but these slippers are absolutely amazing. It is like she doesn't a leave the house without them hardly. For your feet. In fact, a lot of times I'll put them in my purse. So if I'm wearing heels or something and my feet start hurting, I'll put on my slippers. They have this great bottom on them too uh, that makes it really nice and that they're not going to get ruined when you do go outside. And you know what? Every time you spend a dollar, you're voting. You're voting in a big way. Let's support Mike Lindell. He's supporting you. He's supporting our country. Let's support him. This past Thursday, March 31st, was the International Transgender Day of Visibility. In the PCUSA, we welcome all of our transgender and queer siblings into this family and relationship with the Creator God. So today, I wish to pray a prayer that was written for this incredible day. Will you pray with me? O God of pronouns, we give praise to the Great One, the One who was identifiable as God. I am what I am, you say, the Great They, the incarnate He and She, the God of trans being. Impregnating Mary, fathering God, breastfeeding God of many breasts, you shadow, you shatter all stereotypes, making every single person male and female. Male and female, intersex, non-binary, in your image, exactly in your image. Spectrum, rainbow God, who put your promise for nonviolence in the symbol for queer love before humanity knew because you knew, who had Joseph, who could not sleep with a woman in a beautiful lady's cloak, perhaps of rainbow colors, before we knew, you knew. God of pronouns, who said, you can call me he or she or they, whatever makes you feel closest to me. Wow. You know, we were looking through culture and current events through the lens of conservative Christian values. You know, we we met you originally in, in ministry school. Um, when we're talking about puberty blockers and some of the other topics we're going to get into, how does this align with the Word of God? And where is the church landing on this issue nationally? We saw Iowa City Church there, and this was, you know, this past week. But um, that might be an outlier. You know, what are what are you, in your in your mind, Brandon? What is is what is the word of God and where is the church landing on this? From my point of view, the church is not being near nearly enough vocal. There are some churches that are raising awareness about this crime against children. It's a human rights atrocity and a sexual crime in my mind. I think some churches have been hesitant because of the way in which some issues have been mishandled in the past. Uh, I think uh, I could go down a rabbit trail there, which I won't. But I, there are some godly churches that are really um, raising awareness about just what's happening. But I find that most people find this issue so obscure that it's challenging um, for them to talk about it, particularly if they have congregants that are dealing with gender confusion. And so they want to be sensitive pastorally, which is understandable, Mm -hmm. but they're failing to see the grotesque evil that is in motion here. And this has all happened very quickly. And so to a certain extent, and again, the media, the large, the corporate press, the legacy media has 
lied and manipulated and twisted the truth. And so by the time they get actual real good information, like you'll get it to Christian Post or a few other publications, it's it's overwhelming. And so they have to balance a lot of things. That Iowa church, that's just, that is extreme. But those mainline churches, a lot of them have been gone for years. It's just now the contrast is undeniably stark. Mm-hmm. Man, that is so true. Well, when, you know, uh, when, when you call good evil and you call evil good, you put yeah. you put people in very compromised situations because you're not right. willing to be honest and truthful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, kind of back to your Twitter at, at Brandon M Show. Um, you you put out the story. You know, Jesse Waters. A lot of people ran into this last week of of female inmates getting impregnated by fellow inmates, and and that would be a hard thing to explain. You would need a John Madden diagram yep. on a whiteboard to make sense out of that at any point. Uh, in the past, I'm just going to read your tweet that you, that you you reposted from someone else. Raping and impregnating two women in prison doesn't scream gender dysphoria to me. Um, I think it's some sarcasm with that. But um, break this down a little bit for people that may not be familiar with this story. And and this has got to be the fruit of calling right wrong and wrong right. Yes. Well, and if ever there was another example of how this ideology is an assault on the image of God, it's this. Because these women who are in prison are some of the most vulnerable people in our society. I wrote about this as well in my column that was featured in the Daily Wire. Uh, When you lie about reality, when you lie about the truth about biological sex, it can't help but impact any area of culture, including how we treat the most vulnerable. And who could be more vulnerable than women who are in prison? And so if you lie about sex and you allow men to self-identify their way into womanhood, and they say that they really are women somehow by some magic, then there's no really there's no real reason to deny them that space in the prison, and of course you're going to have brutal sexual assaults. And they may call it consensual in the prison, but mm-hmm. we regard you know any kind of sex that goes on inside of a prison context as as an assault, as as rape, because we know that women can't impregnate other women. We just right. the, the lies just are so constant that you have to twist your mind into a pretzel in order for that to make any sense at all. And it doesn't make any sense. And so, yes, these, these women in New Jersey, but there are prisons all over the country where this is happening, where men, including those who have been convicted of violent and sexual crimes are being housed in the same cell cells as female prisoners. Uh, I, I think it's one of the most grotesque injustices, mm-hmm. but that's, that's the toxic root of this ideology. And I would just want to say, you know, to tie this to our earlier exchange about puberty blockers, this is all connected. Sometimes I feel like the public, when they hear about these crazy things like what's going on in sports or in prisons or in the medical field, this is all the same ideology. The mm-hmm. same ideologues who are pushing for this in every sphere. It's the same people filing the lawsuits, the ACLU, other groups. They are the ones that are pushing this ideology that's driving this insanity everywhere we see it. And so we can't compartmentalize we cannot compartmentalize it into these little mental boxes mm-hmm. and you know or else as we will I mentioned Abigail Schreier in the last segment her book Irre- Irreversible Damage she said in a Substack piece that I thought was so brilliant about women in prison being in, in housed with males that if you know we don't know that these you know men are actually women the public is not going to know about the true scope of their suffering the suffering of those women in prison and we will and I quote forever live behind an epistemological blockade. Mm-hmm. Man. We're going to be denied this knowledge because the powers that be have insisted on lying about biological sex. That's yeah. so and We true. at the Christian Post won't do it. We won't do it. That is so good. You know, and obviously you have these women that are victims, but you also have these children that are now victims, you know, yes. because of a decision that they've made to put men, biological men, in with women in a prison. It's a sad situation. 
it's a disgrace. And I think um, I'm a human rights graduate student right now at Catholic University, and I'm pretty sure, I think there's Geneva Convention uh, words and uh, some human rights uh, cases that, you know, this is cruel and unusual punishment. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that single sex prisons, that you cannot (laughs) house, you know, mixed sex prisons. That's just, that contravenes every sane standard of human rights. And can you imagine just looking a, I saw this on Twitter too, uh, looking at a survivor of sex trafficking in the whites of her eyes and telling her that she's a bigot for wanting a single sex rape crisis center. Can you imagine? Because I mean, just think about, just think about it for a moment. Just the practical implications of this. If you're going to deny the material reality of sex and say that it has no bearing on how we should do public policy or how we should handle, you know, our institutions, just what kind of atrocities are you paving the way for? Mm -hmm. I mean, women are not bigoted for wanting their own single sex spaces. It's insane that we even have to have this conversation. That is exactly right. That's exactly right. We're going to put the Daily Wire article down in the notes so you guys can find it there, as well as um, you can see a YouTube that Brandon did about five years ago that shares a little bit two more years history. Ago. Oh, two, two years, years ago. ago. Down yeah. in the notes so you guys can find it. It's been a well. long two years. Uh, you know, you, you got you to gotta run it through the current, uh, their dog years, you know. <laughs> exactly. Well, but I, what I can say is that I really do believe that for those of us who have been awake to what's been going on, and like I said, you know, a lot of these transing of kids, it started back in 2007 and I had no idea. I learned about this about five or six years ago. But we do really sense the momentum, I think, with the Leah Thomas swimmer dude down mm-hmm. winning those championships together with the groomer stuff that's come out about Disney. Cumulatively, there's been a buildup. And so the public is increasingly awake to yep. the kinds of monstrous things that are going on. And so I'm not going to relent until I see some substantive change. But I think the public is finally, at long last, waking up. That's huge. You We'd can love also to have you- follow Brandon when you go to at Brandon M show on Twitter. We'd love to have you back and continue working through these things. There's going to be new stories, new things coming out. And um, I'll just be honest with you. You mentioned earlier, these things are happening faster than we could even develop a yes. language for it and an argument for it. It's because it, there are things that up until five minutes ago would have been ridiculous right. to even bring up. Yes. And, and now they're, they're real issues and it's, it's baffling. By the time you get it figured out, they've already moved the goalposts. They've strategized and covered all the exits. It's pretty insane. You sound like a conspiracy theorist, except I've stared into the abyss and I know that it's actually real. Wow. Brandon, thanks for stopping by. We love your work. Thank you for doing what you're doing. I know it's a tough space to be in. You take a lot of arrows, but you're speaking the truth, and I thank you for it. Thank you, David and Stacey. Appreciate it. Are you having a hard time sleeping at night thinking, what are you going to do about your finances? If you went back to 1920 and you had a $20 bill and you had one ounce of gold, you could go into a men's clothing store and you could buy an entire suit, the jacket, shoes, pants, wow. belts, everything. Today, what would that $20 bill buy you? It wouldn't. You couldn't buy a handkerchief for the $20 bill, but that one ounce of gold would still buy you, even today, it would buy you an entire men's suit, shoes, belt, pants, jacket, everything. That's the difference. But today, that change is happening faster than ever. And we know a guy by the name of Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott that we've known for over 25 years. He has two PhDs. This is who we're actually using. This is who our friends and family are using. And he's a guy we trust completely. And in today's era, you need somebody you trust. So go to flyovergold.com and learn how to protect yourself against an inflating dollar. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com.